Live from Nashville, Tennessee, this is the Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. Diamond Joe was a rich old jay, had lots of cowboys in his pay, rode the range with his cowboy band, many a maverick got his brand, well I hired on, offered Joe my hand, got a string of horses so old they couldn't stand. Like to die from hunger, he mistreated a soul, never earned a dollar off a diamond joe. Roll on, boys, roll, don't you roll so slow. Roll on, boys, roll, don't you roll so slow. Kayipi-i, yippee-ki-i-o. Roll on, boys, roll, don't you roll so slow. Roll on, boys, roll. Don't you roll so slow. Kayipi-i, yippee-ki-i-o. Just a cowboy, ain't got no home Got no folks, so I'm bound to roam I work for the elves, or the old bar old Won't burn no brand, for Diamond Joe Well, if I was rich, like Diamond Joe I'd work today, I'd work no more he works me hard and pays so slow. Don't give a damn if I work or no. Roll on, boys, roll. Don't you roll so slow. Roll on, boys, roll. Don't you roll so slow. Kayipi-i. Yippee-ki-i-o. Yippee-ki-i-a. Yippee-ki-i-o. Good morning from Nashville, Tennessee. I'm your host, Gary Holt. Joining us in Albuquerque, New Mexico, is our co-host, Miss Bobby Bell. And that was Diamond Joe by Mr. Don Edwards. And Bobby, of course, we lost Don this past week. And uh, later on in the show, we'll be paying tribute to Don, a musical tribute as we move forward. But how are you doing today? I'm I'm just doing grand. Uh, just got a just got a lot of plates spinning in the air, trying to trying not to let any of them crash through. We got a little bit of wind and possible rain today. That's always exciting in New Mexico when rain is in the forecast. So you know, life is good. <laughs> well, good. It is beautiful, beautiful here in Tennessee. It got cool again, so it kind of warmed up into the lower 80s for a couple of days, but we're back down into the 60s this morning. It was actually 39 when I got up this morning. So 
kind of a wow. cool, beautiful mm-hmm. fall day here in Tennessee, and the and the weather is absolutely gorgeous, and the color is phenomenal mm-hmm. this year. So it is just so much fun to get out and drive and see all the color. But, um, I'm sure we'll see that in Albuquerque in a couple of weeks. Uh, yes, you will. Looking forward yes, to you it. Will. I know. You're, you're coming. Two weeks. Uh, we are. We'll be, do, we'll be doing Campfire Cafe Live two weeks from today in uh, Albuquerque. We will. We will. <laughs> so we're going to have a great time doing that. But we are going to have a great time today on the show. And we are very excited about our first guest joining us. Who is that? Oh, returning guest Hal Cannon. And I'm excited to catch up with Hal and hear music from his newest album. All right. We're looking forward to visiting with Hal and listening to music from Nothing Lasting. And then in the second hour of the show, we're going to be talking with Aaron Hallowell, who is the executive director of Thoroughbred Charities of America. So she'll be our special guest on Saddle Up America. And then again, as we mentioned just a few minutes ago, we're going to be paying a musical tribute to our good friend, Mr. Don Edwards, for the last part of the show. But right now, let's take a listen to a song by somebody special to me, and that's Mary Kay Holt. It's her song, Take Me Back to Texas. And when we come back, we'll be talking with Mr. Hal Cannon. Darling, you have popped the question that I have been expecting. But before I answer yes, I have one little request. Take me back to Texas when the blue body through. I will be the bride. You can be the handsome groom. We can hitch our wagon. To that lone star above In a state that's as big as I love Should you take me back in autumn Where the hill country rolls No, 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 no Should we tie the night in summer Where the Rio Grande flows No, no, no I'll take me back to Texas When the blue bonnet blooms Springtime will spring soon And you'll hear that
Winning Campfire Cafe on the Equestrian Legacy Radio Network. We just heard the title track of Mary Kay Holt's album, Take Me Back to Texas. Our guest today, Hal Cannon, is widely known as a folklorist, songwriter, and radio producer. His early musical life was dedicated to capturing the beauty and styling of 19th century folk music of the American West. He is a founding light of the Western Folk Center and the National Cowboy Poetry Gathering. He sings lead vocals and plays banjo and guitar in the group Three Hat Trio, and he writes many of the hat songs. After producing over 100 cultural features for NPR, he now produces occasional radio documentaries for Australia's Radio National. Hal Cannon's newly released album, Nothing Lastin', is receiving international and national acclaim. A reviewer for Written in Music calls the new album a masterpiece of superior storytelling. Please welcome to Campfire Cafe an acclaimed cowboy scholar, musician, folklorist, explorer, and visionary multi-award winner, Hal Cannon. Welcome back, Hal. Wow, that was pretty amazing. Thank you very much. Jeez. <laughs> I'm pretty oh, impressed. Glad to have you with us. <laughs> I'm pretty impressed. Uh, Good well. morning, sir. Thank you. Uh, good morning to you. Oh, boy, is it? Uh, it's beautiful everywhere. Beautiful in Nashville, beautiful in New Mexico, and beautiful here in southern Utah on the edge of Zion National Park. Oh, wow. Wow. Hey, I heard there was some snow in Utah last night, yesterday. Yeah, there's some Did up you in get the, any down your way? High. Oh, no. You know, I can't even see any from uh, up in the mountains above us uh, from here, but I'm sure there is. I mean, it's about a 40-minute oh, drive, and we go from 3,500 feet to over 8,000 feet. So it's there's a lot of up and down here. Yeah, yeah. Well, I had gotten I had gotten some uh, email with pictures attached showing me some of the snow that was up in the northern part of the state. So, um, yeah, and of I course, I lived in southern storm. Utah for a while. Yeah, yeah. yeah. I remember when I got married, Mary Kay said, be sure and buy a four-wheel drive when you're coming to Utah. <laughs> so I did. Yeah, it can be handy. It, it, yeah, it did come in handy. Well, I, I wanted to ask uh, just real quickly. Of course, we mentioned that Don Edwards had just passed away this past, well, this week. And uh, and I know you and Don were close. You are one of the founders of the Elko Gathering along with Waddy Mitchell. And Don was a mainstay there for years and years and years. 
What kind of memories do you have that you can share of Don? Well, um, you know, I was when I first met Don, I was a little suspicious because, you know, just another pretty face. I mean, he was just so handsome and uh, <laughs> you know, prematurely white hair, and, he just, and uh, you know, he used to smoke this pipe, and he just he looked like he was out of. Uh, I don't know some 19th century cowboy novel, and uh, I just said no. This Will guy James. can't. Yeah, well, he looked. At, he did look like a Will James character, and yeah. um, and uh, I just said he just can't be as talented as all that. And then I heard him sing, and I said, oh my gosh, he's got that. <laughs> and then started t- talking to him, and we fast became friends. And I, he just was such a kind-hearted, inclusive, uh, self-deprecating, humble guy. I just said, wait a second, he can't be that too. (laughs) And then I started talking to him about the early cowboy music, and oh my gosh, he knew so much about the early trail drive music and who was doing this, and he quoted people, and and I just said, "Oh my gosh, you got that too. That is, mm-hmm. that is uh, a uh, a treasure of riches, and that's what mm-hmm. we lost this week is a tr- rare mm-hmm. treasure of riches. Uh, just a delightfully beautiful man, all the way, mm-hmm. every aspect. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Well, one of the kindest and most humble people that I've ever had on the show." And uh, and and I got tickled because he is like a, a northern guy. I don't know, was it New York, New Jersey, and he said just as quick as he could, he, he made it to Texas. You know, <laughs> yeah. oh, he was a Texan. He was a Texan. <laughs> he was a Texan. Yeah. Well, good to have you back with us, and uh, thanks for sharing those thoughts about about Don. But so, what were you doing during the pandemic? Were you writing this music for the new yeah, song, new album? I was. I started this uh, project uh, before, and some of the songs uh, are, I don't know, seven, eight years old. I It took me a long time to put this together. Um, in fact, I've never spent so much time on a project. I, I mistakenly wrote a whole book about the songs uh, and then threw that out. Uh, so I, I just had lots of different incarnations of the album, recorded lots of stuff over and over again just to get it the way I wanted it to be. You know, you get to my age and you just want every everything you do to count. And so that's what I did during the pandemic is I, I worked on this and wrote music and played music. Um, we had several tours, three at trios touring schedule is mostly in Europe and all of those tours of course were canceled and uh, so it was a you know for all all performers it was um, sort of a rough time but I it was I loved it mm-hmm. <laughs> you know, I, 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 there's a hermit part of me too that comes here in my music studio and just says ah this is where I belong yeah <laughs> <laughs> uh, well, fortunately, during the pandemic, there was a lot of good music that was written and, and quite a bit that was recorded and came out afterwards. But uh, 
but this this nothing lasting is just a fun fun album an interesting collection of music and we're going to get to a song right now from the cd nothing lasting it's one called don't look back tell us about this one well um i'm a person who does look back quite a bit i'm a a folklorist and historian and I spent my life at it, but there's also a downside to just looking back and getting comfortable with the the past. And uh, there's something about looking forward and just greeting things as they come in the present. And uh, this is a song about that. uh, It says, don't look back, but more importantly, it's look forward. All right, let's take a listen to Don't Look Back. It's Al Cannon, our special guest today, and this is from the CD, Nothing Lasted. Special guest today is Hal Cannon, and we 
we are featuring music from his album, Nothing Lasting. So reading from the uh, CD itself, you say that impermanence was the driving force for this collection of songs. And oddly enough, the quest has turned from the brutal truth of nothing lasting to trying to find out what endures. What did you find out about what endures, Hal? Uh, well, I found out after I'd put all these songs together that every one of the songs was a cautionary tale from my own life and from my observations of life. And um, so I said, well, what do I do with that? All these, you know, cautionary tales about, you know, do we look back? Do we do we move forward? You know, is nothing last? And, you know, all of the songs have a sort of a question to them. And so um, as an exercise, I went through every song. I made a, a little one-line prayer for every song. And for Don't yeah. Look Back, I, I, I put a prayer together that says, may we live in faith and balance forward one step at a time. So um, I guess, you know, if we have a um, an intention or a prayer for all of the things that we do wrong, <laughs> and the way, ways that we want to be, um, we are moving forward. We are, we are uh, asking for something that lasts rather than, you know, keep making the same mistakes over and over. So I guess that's yeah. a short, well, maybe too long of an answer for what should have been a short answer. <laughs> <laughs> oh, gosh. Well, you know, when you think about what lasts, and, uh, and I guess it's, the uh, relationship that we develop with the people that we're closest to, for me, yeah. is the most important thing. Yeah. Yeah, yeah it's, um, that's true. Well, let's take a listen to the title cut from this TV. It's called Nothing Lasting, and uh, we'll be back in this moment to visit more with Hal Cannon. them up and tell a joke used to tell them all the time seems we shout instead of laugh nothing lasting anyway slept the night without a care I'm on the right you're on the left iPhone helped me pass the hours nothing lasting anyway Nothing lasts in any way The words are gone, don't really care Nothing lasts in any way Nothing lasts in any way Waking up, the storm is near Will it rain or will it blow? Will it tear this big house down? Nothing lasts in any way Castles built with playing cards Don't look now, the house is full King is flush, his queen is straight Nothing lasts in any way Nothing lasts in any way The words are gone, don't really care Nothing lasts in any way 
nothing lasts in any way. got it right, they got it wrong, children cry then settle down, nothing lasts in any way, nothing lasts in any way, the words are gone, don't really care, nothing lasts in any way, nothing lasts in any way. Our special featured guest today, Hal Cannon. It's the title track from his new album. Hal, I uh, really enjoyed listening. Uh, Gary sent me all of the tracks of the music in advance that we were playing today. And, of course, I did go to YouTube. And, oh, my goodness, I watched some videos. (laughs) (laughs) Um, uh, Now, what are you laughing about? (laughs) Uh, Very, uh, I, 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 uh, (laughs) kind of been immersed um, for the last, you know, day or so in all of the material. And I also found a couple of really interesting interviews. Um, You did mention early on that it did take you a while. You'd been kind of working on this album um, for a while. And I was curious, as you look back, do look back on it, what do you think, why did it take you so long to put it together? Um. That's a good question. <laughs> uh, I don't. I'm not sure. I just. I didn't feel like uh, I was ready. Ready to put it out. I recorded it. Most of the tracks. I don't know. Three years ago. Two or three years ago. And I kept revising them and redoing bit bit parts of it. And then I wrote this book. And then my daughter said, "Don't the songs stand on their own?" And I said, "Well, maybe they mm-hmm. do." So. Anyway, mm-hmm. there was just a lot to do, and and plus I I love collaboration and um, with other artists, and whether it be mm-hmm. video artists, I had so much fun working with three different video artists on the music videos for this. I I have a background in the visual arts as well, and uh, so it was it was just a blast to work on what I thought were sort of artistic interpretations in video. Um, Mm-hmm. Some, you know, were uh, on the edge of being a little bizarre, but um, <laughs> I mean, we did one for one called Tarantula March. I'll, I'll just talk about it. And I just, I said to Dan Whitaker, who's the, my collaborator, the video maker, who's wonderful. I said, well, let's do something a little freaky about this. It's, I mean, these are spiders after all, you know, and they're crawling across the desert every fall to find their mates. And it's just sort of a bizarre thing. Natural, you know, story of natural history. So he uh, he got me dressed up in a sheet and projected these um, tarantulas crawling all over me. <laughs> <laughs> I looked like sort of like a zombie. <laughs> and um, anyway, it went out, and um, I think it, you know, got I don't know se- several hundred thousand hits on Facebook, <laughs> and um, and it even got reviewed by 
you know, places that would normally never pay attention to uh, my music, like this punk rock magazine in L.A. did a big feature on it. And so, oh, gosh. You know, oh, my gosh. It, it was really fun to just sort of stretch out there and do something a little different. And um, mm-hmm. anyway, <laughs> it, I just kept wanting to do more to surround the songs with other people's creativity, um, including the, the musicians that sang with me on the album and played along. And uh, I, I just love collaboration. I love musical mm-hmm. collaboration. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Oh, wow. In one. In one interview, in one interview, you make a comment that the real job is an unwavering belief that it's important to share great music. And I thought about all my DJ friends and radio hosts and and performers who are sharing great music, and we just do it. Uh, why, why though? Why is it important, Hal, that we continue to share great music? Well. First of all, I think that sometimes we underestimate the, what, the power of music to heal the world and to, to give us magic and to give us things that are truly lasting, even though you know, music is sort of the most impermanent kind of thing. You know, a, a, a note fades and then it's gone, but there's something about music that fills our hearts. And there's a lot of people... They, di- they didn't grow up particularly sensitive to music. And all of the people I know who are DJs and record producers and musicians, they believe in their music and they want to share their music. And, and, uh, and I'm just in, in great admiration of people who get out there on the radio and just say, listen to this, folks. This is why this, this song is important to me personally or this is why this song uh listen to the horn part in it you know it can be anything mm-hmm. but we mm-hmm. we sensitize people we continue sort of that um we never get through with education you know and mm-hmm. and for me it, it's a great school out there of radio uh, <laughs> i love radio for that for being able to to impart stories and things that are important um, and positive too. You know, it's sort of the flip side of the news. To tell you the truth, <laughs> uh, <laughs> when news gets a little heavy, we need more music. Yeah. <laughs> Amen to that. Absolutely. Amen to that. Well, Bobby, I'm going to skip through Tarantula March since we've talked about it. Okay. And I'm I am going to encourage people to go to YouTube. And look at Hal Canham's Tarantula March video because you will love it and uh, and share it. But let's take a listen to the song. We'll be back. Happy Halloween, by the way. <laughs> Thanks. <laughs> Marathon, the desert dawn, the weaves renew. 
stings and stings and stings and stings and yet we dance and dance and dance and dance and dance and dance and dance we dance the tear and tell we dance the tear and tell Chow Cannon, I got to admit that I went to YouTube while that was playing and watched the video, and I, and I had to put it down or I'd forget to bring everybody back on the air again, but that is so much fun, so much fun. So do you live in an area, Hal, where you get trick-or-treaters that come your way, or are you a little far out? No, we're we're actually right in the middle. We're in downtown Virgin, Utah now. That downtown's not much. It's well, it, it's a little town hall next door, and then a old uh, 1860s church that's been now a, made into a community center. So, what okay. we do at Halloween around here is we do trunk or treat. So everybody mm-hmm. in town mm-hmm. comes and puts candy in their trunk, and all the kids dress up and uh, come. You know, get get food. You know, treats out of the trunk of people's cars. So that's our, you know, in the back of their pickups. That is so cool. Well, I was going to say, I can remember when I was a kid going around and trick-or-treating in our little town of just, just a few thousand and yeah. uh, and went up to this one house and knocked on the door to get ready to trick-or-treat. And the kids were all dressed up. They were sick, so Mama dressed them up, and they jumped out and scared the crap out of me. And I remember falling off the back porch, and I, I wasn't expecting these goblins to be coming out at me. But I was just thinking, if you put on a sheet and stuck a few tarantulas on your face, you could probably <laughs> you could do it. <laughs> you could do. Yeah. Get them back. Oh gosh, get them back. Get them back. Mm-hmm. Well, where where are you where are you touring now? Because things are kind of opening up. People are getting back out on the road and, and traveling and touring. So, what do you have coming up? 
Not that much. You know, we've been playing a few festivals here and there. Um, we have one member of our group uh, is just in his mid-20s. You know, we started the band when yeah. he was 16, our violinist. And, you know, it got to the point he, he had to go out and get a job, a real job. <laughs> and so that happens. He, he moved to he moved to Las Vegas and works for a big sound company, you know, putting big AV shows mm-hmm. together for trade shows mm-hmm. and so forth. So it's made it a little more difficult for us to get out and do tours to Europe. And I'm, yeah, I'm just not sure, sure what the future is. Um, I just turned 74 and I'm feeling great. And um, I don't know. I, I, I wouldn't mind going out on tour again, but um, well, I, I just don't know. Yeah, well, we're we're about the same age, so you know it's uh, it's just what you want to do and and keep doing it. And, and yeah. it seems like the the more that I want to slow down, the more I get busy with stuff. So. <laughs> yeah. Anyway. Yeah. Anyway. I've been writing a lot, this, you know, it, uh, which has been a great thing. I started this uh, weekly thing called the Loose Cannon Boost, and. Um, mm-hmm. That has been really fun, telling stories from a long career of um, music and uh, as a folklorist, and um, it's been been great fun. Yeah, yeah. Well, I want to get to another song real quickly, and this is one called Years Go Down, and uh, and there's kind of a theme to some of this that we're doing, except for the Tarantula March, and I guess it probably has a theme too. <laughs> But uh, tell us about years go go down. Well, when when uh, I think it's on our 25th wedding anniversary, uh, my wife and I, Teresa and my wife, myself, um, I decided I wanted to write a love so- song for her, and um, I realized that so many of the love songs that are out there are really about that stage of love, which is basically infatuation and. Uh, sort of the first stages of love, and there's not that many songs about, you know, what it's like to to really have this deep and long-lasting love. And uh, so I started out with the chorus, the years go down, but there's a, a particular verse in, in this song, which is, um, you know, I, I notice all the beautiful young women around me, but you know, when it comes down to it, I'll take the gray and thoughtful in any day. Yeah. <laughs> and so yeah. it's where does beauty reside, I guess, is the question I'm asking here. And it's definitely in our household. It resides with my wife. Well, and I have seen her, and you're correct. I will have to agree with yep. that. But let's, <laughs> let's take a listen. The years go down. Till we hit the floor And then sink down into the ground Buried deep within the dirt Two vines are growing then entwined I love you baby more and more These years go down These years go down These years go down These years go down down. I love you baby to the heavens I love you, baby, to the earth. I love you, baby, far below. 
through every season, sun and snow, and how it works I do not know, I love you baby more and more, these years go down, these years go down, these years go down, these years go down. I'll pick the gray and thoughtful one I love you baby more and more The years go down The years go down The years go down chatting with Hal today and Hal you mentioned this um your 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 blog that you write which um I subscribed to this morning uh loose cannon boost and the most recent um article you write in great detail about working with Paul Zarziski and one of the comments that you write in that blog is about um how music Uh, simply resides inside you and you write with great uh, vulnerability and I would say an authenticity about you and music. Do you want to elaborate a little bit on that? It was a fascinating uh, comment that you shared. Uh, Well, it's, uh, I I don't usually co-write. That's a, I've I've done a lot of co-writing with Gray Gistock and the Three Hat Trio, but I've just done two uh, two co-writes with Paul Zarzyski, and he is such an amazing poet and lyricist. And um, so I had this challenge uh, with a, a lot of poets; they use many more words than I'm used to. So it's a challenge musically, but. You know, I, I I love the words so much, and the the way he 
they they feel in the mouth. You know, so much of music is the way a word feels in your mouth as you sing mm-hmm. it. And so for me, I have this, uh, you know, I, I don't know if it was a blessing or curse, but I just have lots of melodies that rise up out of me. And they I have since I was a child. And so what I have to do when I find words that I really like or a sentiment that I really like is I have to, I have to bring it into this other realm that's musical and, and also has meaning. So the whole, the whole thing about, um, this is getting complicated and I'm sorry for that, but the whole thing is to, to make the words be musical in the right way. So th- th- they almost create the emotion that goes along with the meaning, and um, it's a it's a real challenge and a, a sort of a beautiful challenge. And so with Paul Zarzyski, you know, I would just take his words, I'd, and I'd go out for a walk and in a very lonely place where no one could hear me, and I'd just shout the words and sing the words in all sorts of ways and all mm. sorts of melodies, not even trying to remember what they were just trying to naturally find the melodies that fit with the words. So, you know, oftentimes I start that way with a song. And so what this blog was really about was sort of a love letter between words and music. <laughs> I mean, Paul and I are friends, but it was a love letter between, you know, that struggle between finding the right union between words and music. Mhm, mhm, mhm. Gary, what are you going to play next? We're going to play "Marching Off to War." Okay. Do yeah. You want to tell us Hal, you want to talk to us yeah. about this one? Well, this is one of those that just sort of came out of. Uh, gosh, I don't even know. Sometimes you wake up with a song, and for me, this was a song that came. Probably, I I envisioned the Civil War. A uh, yeah. little boy seeing his father go off to war and never seeing him again. And um, sort of a sad song and a sad story that repeats itself. All right, let's take a listen to Marching Off to War from the album Nothing Lasting. <laughs> along and go with you daddy can i walk with you marching off to war daddy looks so handsome all the matching uniforms see the shiny buttons marching off to war daddy can i go with you march along and go with you walk with you, marching off to war. Listen to the brass band, Grandma's holding back her tears. Proud and brave, the drum roll, marching off to war. See them in the distance, Daddy, I will miss you. I will hold your memory. 
marching off to war. Daddy, can I go with you? March along and go with you. Daddy, can I walk with you? Marching off to war. Daddy's gone so long ago. Can't recall his face at all. But all those men are in my dreams. Marching off to war. Daddy, can I go with you? March along and go with you. Daddy, can I walk with you? Marching off to war. Marching off to war from the album Nothing Lasting, and how that really paints a picture. Yeah. For me. It does. You know. Yeah, it really paints a picture. Wow. So, what are you working on now? Oh, you know, I'm trying. Uh, I'm just lo- looking in front of me, and I've got a desk that's full of <laughs> piles ah. of things that I haven't done. So, I'm going to try to get my desk cleared off and uh, start writing some songs again. Um, I've sort of taken a hiatus from writing songs and I want to get back to that. I've just, I just, I wake up in the middle of the night with a phrase or a rhyme or a little melody and um, I just haven't been honoring that, um, that impetus to, to set it down and record it and develop it and all the work that goes from those tiny sparks of inspiration well we look forward to seeing something new from you so be sure that you get a copy of it and look forward to having you back on the show for that so i know you've got the three hat trio and, and your albums how can people get their music how can they get your music um well probably the best uh way to order a cd or I even created a, a, a vinyl version of this uh, this album. Is to go to my website at um, halcannon.com, um, and you can get uh, the Three Hat Trio. And you know, I sell things through Bandcamp. Um, okay. So that all the orders go through Bandcamp. You know, you can go to Bandcamp, and or if you just want to stream it, uh, all all the music is either under Three Hat Trio or. Hal Cannon uh, on all the streaming services. And Three Hat Trio is a little unusual. It's uh, the numeral three, no space, and then hat, and then trio, no spaces. So it's just this one big word with a three at the beginning of it. It almost looks like it was written in Russian. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, and Three Hat Trio is great, too. So the last time that you were on the show, we played music from that album. The last album yeah. we did with Red Trio. So, anyway, look forward to having you come back. 
And uh, the last song that we're going to get to today is called Silver Dove. Who is the young lady that's singing with you on this? Oh, this is Molly O'Brien. Oh, she's fantastic. Um, you might know Tim O'Brien uh, in Nashville. Mm-hmm. Uh, yeah. Great uh, uh, musician. Tim, uh, Molly is Tim's sister. And okay. uh, they've made, made a bunch of albums together. And Molly and her husband, Rich Moore, who's a wonderful guitarist, and Tim play on this. Uh, this uh, And she sings some a uh, couple of the verses. And um, this is a song that I wrote after going on a cultural cowboy cultural exchange to Turkmenistan, which is a dictatorship. And wow. we went to a big horse con- conference uh, that was put on by the leader of the country. He brought in 1,500 different horse people from around the world. Uh, and we were representing American cowboys. Uh, wow. Jim Tiger and Andy Hedges and I and Linda Svensson and uh, who does all these international horse tours. And um, we went to a bunch of schools, and uh, I was with these kids, these Turkmen kids who were growing up in a in a dictatorship, and I, I wrote this song sort of as a dream of how I would like society and politics and the world to work. <laughs> uh, and this is a song of hope. It's the last song on the record, and... I think the record sort of starts out in despair and ends in hope, and uh, that's the progression, and it should be the progression. It should be the progression. Well, you have been a great guest, and we look forward to having you come back with us again. The album is Nothing Lasting. Go to HalCannon.com and order your copy there. And uh, Hal, thanks for taking the time to be with us today. It's always a pleasure. Thank you so much. All right, thank you. Silver Dove, we'll be back in just a moment. On the wings of a dove On the wings of a prayer it's the hope of all people for a life that is fair. For all God's religions, don't shout out so loud. And they all work together, bringing hope to the crowd. Silver dove. Come take our prayers Lift them to heaven Enlighten our cares Where women walk free Hold their heads high 
Legacy Radio Network. When we come back, we'll be talking with Aaron Hallowell, the Executive Director of Thoroughbred Charities of America.
Equestrian Legacy Radio Network from Nashville, Tennessee. I'm your host, Gary Holt, and in Albuquerque, New Mexico, is our co-host, Miss Bobby Bell, and we played that song in honor of our guest today, and that's Miss Erin Hallowell. Hey, Erin, how are you? I'm doing well, Gary. Thank you. I, I like that Good. song. That was a great <laughs> <laughs> well, are you in Colorado <laughs> or Kentucky? I am in Kentucky, sitting in Lexington, uh, Kentucky right about now. Well, I know that uh, you love Colorado, and, and, and soon that will be your full-time home, I understand. I Yes, I will. Um, I'm fortunate enough to be able to uh, do some remote work um, from Colorado, but certainly will... Um, be back here in the beautiful city of Lexington, um, as that is the horse ca- horse racing capital of the world. So um, it is the horse my racing job, capital. Yeah, it was my job with Thoroughbred Charities. Certainly, um, you know, there's there's a lot of, of work that goes on here in Lexington as well. Well, I'm sure there is. So uh, let's talk just a little bit about thoroughbred horses and. What happens to them once they come off of the racetrack? Tell us a little bit about that. Sure. Yeah. So Thoroughbred Charities of America was actually founded in um, 1990 when our founders um, realized that, you know, Thoroughbred Racehorses, they have a lot of life left in them after the racetrack. On average, they retire from racing maybe around age six or so and as we know that's you know pretty young for a horse considering they can live yeah well into their you know late 20s so um the the effort was made to really kind of bring awareness to the fact that thoroughbreds are you know they're not a one-trick pony once they're done on the track they can go on to a multitude of second careers and uh, TCA essentially was formed um, to help give give thoroughbreds a helping hand, um, you know, after their careers on the racetrack. Well, six years old is pretty young, and uh, mm-hmm. and not only do horses live into their twenties, but some up into their thirties, and I've heard of some even hitting their forties. But that's a little sure. bit unusual. But uh, so, how does Thoroughbred Charities of America work as far as helping to rehome these horses? Yeah, so we are a grant maker. So unfortunately, I 
in my day-to-day job duties, I'm, I'm not out with, with horses directly, unfortunately, but um, I, you know, work indirectly with them quite a bit. Um, so as a grant maker, we provide funding to approve charities across the country that are working to rehab, retrain, and rehome horses, so thoroughbreds. So we uh, have an annual grant process that um, charities working in what we call thoroughbred aftercare can apply for a TCA grant. Um, That grant application is available on our website each January. And then um, throughout our grant cycle, you know, we do a very extensive review of each and every applicant. Um, and then luckily, my I, I don't have to make those hard decisions about who is approved for a grant and who isn't. Uh, we, have, we have a wonderful committee comprised of five of our, our TCA board members, and I assist them in, in really just evaluating each and every application and determining, you know, if they meet our criteria for a grant. Um, and then at the end of, closer to the end of the year, usually end of August, early September, is when we are able to send out our grants, uh, send out the awards and the, the grant checks. And I'll tell you, that's my favorite time of year. I bet you. <laughs> I bet making people happy. That's right. That's right. So so you guys have, have really contributed a lot of money to help find these thoroughbreds uh, a new useful life. And uh, and over the last thirty two years, how much would you say you uh, about twenty six million actually? Um, so you know, we we started uh, small. Our founders were again just some concerned uh, horse owners, and I think the first charity fundraiser they had, they raised fifteen thousand dollars there in their living room um, at a farm in Middletown, Delaware. And, you know, over the years, TCA has just grown and grown and grown. We now have, you know, well more than one fundraiser each year. Um, and it's, you know, worth noting, of course, we would not be where we are without our generous donors. We, we do not receive funding from any mandated sources. All of our funding is 100% charitable. So, you know, it's thanks to our donors that we're able to give back to so many of these organizations that are are really making a difference in the lives of, of thoroughbreds once they leave the track. And we're, we're forever grateful for that. And the work we do, you know, is, is certainly, um, like I said, that when we get to send out those grant checks, that's my favorite time of year when I'll get a, a call about, you know, maybe a horse needed a, a minor surgery or something to go on and, and have a successful second career. And, um, you know, our grants can make that possible. Wow. And I noticed that in 2020, 2020- Twenty-two that you gave in grants over three quarters of a million dollars. That's we a did. Lot we did. It is. Yeah, it is a lot of money. Um, we had uh, actually seventy-four approved charities this year, out of I think we had just over eighty or so grant applicants. Um, and an interesting thing about TCA is that um, not only do we serve thoroughbreds in our industry, but um, we also provide some funding to organizations that offer health and human services to backstretch and farm workers within the thoroughbred industry because, you know, that's that's a very unique population that cares for our thoroughbreds, and 
right. you know, without them, we they're they're in, in many ways the backbone of the industry. Um, so, like I said, they have a kind of unique set of challenges. Many of them are immigrants. Um, you know, many of them are transient. They'll they'll be at one racetrack for one race meet and then move to another. Um, so it, it can be a, a tough life. So we uh, also support what we say is the horse and human side of, of our industry. Oh, that's great. That is great. Well, it's great to take care of the horses, but it's great to remember the, uh, the people that are involved and be able to do things that help uh, them as well. well. Bobby, you jump in anytime that you'd like to. <laughs> well, um, this is so interesting and to me. We really haven't had on Saddle Up America a guest that is connected to thoroughbred racing. So I think that's just so interesting. Um, to see the the 74 uh, charities, I see that 49 of them were aftercare organizations mm-hmm. and four were equine-assisted therapy organizations. And we've had a number of equine-assisted um, therapy um, places as guests. Can you tell us, um, is it uh, these horses, what um, what kind of life, you know, what can they look forward to after their racing career? What are they being trained to be able to do or rehomed? Sure, that's a great question. Um, thoroughbreds, I feel like, are so amazingly versatile. And I know many, many horses are, are versatile as well. But, you know, when you think about kind of the the life of a thoroughbred, you know, they are handled from the day they are born uh, at farms, you know, across the U.S., many of them located here in Kentucky. Um, you know, some of them are taken to the public sales. Um, where they're, again, constantly handled and groomed and they're exposed to large crowds at the racetrack. You know, they're in front of huge crowds Mm -hmm. crowds of people and loud noises. And so they're really um, kind of uh, desensitized in many ways to to a lot of, of just kind of things that would go on in their environment. And that's all done, you know, at the racetrack during their, their racing or training careers. Um, so then when they leave the track, um, you know, they can really take any number of different avenues for a new discipline, um, largely because they have that, that racetrack um, sort of training under their belts. You know, they're, they have been trained. They have been handled. They're shipping. They're clipping. They're, you know, being trained <laughs> All of those things that you know sometimes uh, when you're you're taking maybe a, a, an unbroken horse um, and you're like starting at kind of at ground zero there, right? So with a thoroughbred, all of that's been taken care of and done for you. So that mm-hmm. kind of puts mm-hmm. them at a bit of an advantage right off the bat. Um, and then when they're you know when when their racing career is over. Um, they can really be retrained for any number of disciplines. Um, I've seen thoroughbreds as police horses. Um, I've seen a photo of a gentleman that does uh, war reenacts on his thoroughbred. Mm-hmm. Uh-huh. Um, but yeah, yeah, I mean, a little bit of everything. Uh, falconry on horseback, um, but more more often than not, you're right. Um, uh, equine assisted therapy is a very popular avenue for thoroughbreds because they are indeed so sensitive. Um, so they're really in tune to what their you know the people around them are feeling. 
Um, many of our grant recipients in the equine-assisted therapy category utilize thoroughbreds um, for veterans with PTSD, um, uh-huh. you know, going okay. through some equine-assisted therapy uh, curriculums. There's um, several across the country um, that, uh, you know, use thoroughbreds for that for that use, which, you know, it's, it's fantastic. Any time... A horse can be be healing, and as we know, if you're having a bad day, go hang out with a horse and you feel <laughs> Amen. better. Amen. So, I um yeah. I just read I just read a book that I haven't been able to let go of in my mind, and it was just called Horse um, by Geraldine Brooks. I don't know if you're familiar. It's based loosely on a true horse on Lexington, and oh. um, it's absolutely. Fascinating. It starts in uh, right when Lexington is born, about I think 1851, uh-huh. and it comes up to 2019. And um, it was my little first entry, a little bit into the thoroughbred um, racing world. Of course, that's racing world is before Civil War and after, so it's not contemporary <laughs> racing world. Right. right. But oh my goodness, what a story! Um, and Lexington. Uh, I had no idea about Lexington, and he goes on to, of course, so many um, winning thoroughbreds are in his line. It's just a, mm-hmm. it's just a fascinating, fascinating story. Yeah. So I found this really interesting to kind of read about your organization. Sure, I, I'm not familiar with that that publication, so I'll have to pick it up. That sounds like a, a like a good read. Um, <laughs> but yeah, you know, thoroughbreds. So you're talking about the versatility. Talking about the versatility yep. of the thoroughbreds, you just finished, uh, and TCA was a sponsor of the uh, thoroughbred makeover. So tell yeah, us a little so bit we... about what these horses were doing at the thoroughbred makeover. <laughs> yeah, so the thoroughbred makeover is uh, an event uh, put on by an organization called the Retired Racehorse Project that um, they are, they've been around, I believe, since 2013 or so. Um, they are not what we would consider a traditional aftercare organization. You know, they are not taking possession of thoroughbreds, rehabbing, retraining, and rehoming. They're more of what we call an incentive program. Um, and TCA does support several of these more incentive-based programs. And what it is, is we, we kind of believe that, or uh, we believe that, you know, we, yes, we need to, support those organizations that are rehabbing, retraining, and rehoming that are taking possession of the horses and finding them homes. But we also need to support organizations that are creating a demand in the marketplace, creating a demand um, among equine enthusiasts for thoroughbreds. So those thoroughbreds have a place, you know, from the aftercare organization, they have a place to go within the market. So um, the Retired Racehorse Project is one of these organizations, and they put on their signature event every year is the Thoroughbred Makeover, and it's usually early October here in Lexington at the Kentucky Horse Park. And what it is is a it's essentially a retraining competition for thoroughbreds that are recently off the track. Um, so they, there are certain criteria um, that you need to have uh, to qualify for this retraining competition. But essentially for 2022, um, you could not start retraining on your horse until December 1st of 2021, and your horse had to have a race or a published work 
after July 1st, 2020. So there's there, there's certain time parameters, you know, for um, participants. But once you are accepted into the thoroughbred makeover, um, you can compete in 10 different disciplines. So everything from barrel racing to competitive trail, dressage, eventing, field hunter, freestyle, you'll see a lot of liberty, um, you know, especially on the ground type work with thoroughbreds, um, polo, ranch work. So you'll see thoroughbreds working some cattle. It's always, it's always entertaining. That was so fun. Yeah. Yeah. And then, of course, you know, you know, your more traditional hunter-jumper classes, like your show hunter and your show jumper. And in these thoroughbreds compete in each of these disciplines. Uh, I believe you can enter up to two disciplines with one horse. Um, so sometimes you'll see, you know, a dressage horse competing in um, ranch work. Or, you know, it's interesting that the crossover, the cross-training that these trainers really do with these thoroughbreds, it's it's really um, sometimes it's it's interesting thinking. Wow, I, I didn't even realize a horse could do you know so much within such a, a short period of time. Um, but uh, then the you know they, they compete throughout the week, um, and then the top uh, I believe it's the top five in each discipline come back for the finale, and uh, the the top thoroughbred is crowned and. There's a lot of money on the line. Over $100,000 in, in cash is won at the Thoroughbred Makeover. And again, it's, you know, the thought is this is an incentive for um, equine enthusiasts to choose a Thoroughbred as their next mount because, you know, we all know here in the Thoroughbred industry how amazing, it, amazingly versatile and what great animals they are. Well, it is a lot of fun to watch this, but again, it just it just points out the fact that uh, horses are not be categorized in just one discipline. They can do a lot of different things, and certainly the thoroughbreds are able to do that. Excuse me. And I and I never thought about a thoroughbred as a, a horse that was cutting cattle. That was just a lot yeah. of fun to, to watch <laughs> that and see. Um, <laughs> Yeah, so you have a you you raise money through donors and through other events. You have a big event that's coming up uh, November the fourth, and that's called Bash at the Breeders' Cup. That yeah. looks like a pretty cool deal. Tell us a little bit about yeah. this. Yeah, sure, sure. If if anyone's in town for Breeders' Cup, please check out our fundraiser. Um, so Breeders' Cup is kind of like you know the Super Bowl of horse racing, right? It's your two days of, of Breeders' Cup races here at, at Keeneland, which is our racetrack in Lexington. And, I mean, top horses from around the world. It's a really, really exciting event. Um, you know, every top horses uh, that have won throughout the year going head-to-head in this competition, um, really, really exciting. So for the last several years, we have had a fundraiser um, called Bash at the Breeders' Cup, on the Friday night of Breeders' Cup week. So that's next Friday, November 4th. And it's a fun, you know, fundraiser for TCA. Um, it's really become a pretty significant fundraiser for us. I think we we netted about 40000 or so last year, so looking to certainly top that this year. Um, but uh, it's sure a fun time here in downtown Lexington in a, in a really neat area called the Distillery District. 
Um, so the event will be held in, in an old distillery building. Um, so really sort of, you know, unique there to, to Kentucky and to Lexington. Um, but tickets are available, and a ticket will buy will get you some, some yummy southern cuisine, some signature cocktails. Uh, we have live music by a dance band here in Lexington called Superfecta, really high energy. Um, and then we also have a live auction um, that will feature some, some exciting items, really one-of-a-kind. We, we strive to get one-of-a-kind items that you really can't, you know, maybe necessarily get anywhere else. Um, so this year we've got uh, nine or ten live auction items on the agenda. Um, several of them are like a race day packages. So, you know, we've got a race day package to the 2023 Bluegrass Stakes next year at Keeneland um, with accommodations. We've got uh, a clubhouse table at Del Mar next year with also with accommodations. We have a halter. We have a lot of memorabilia co- collectors out there. So we have a halter from Breeders' Cup contender, Life is Good. So we're expecting that to uh, be pretty popular. We're also going to be auctioning off a saddle, a racing saddle, that will be um, autographed by several jockeys. We had something similar last year, and it was I think it was our highest price, uh, highest I selling item. I started to say that, sh- that should bring some pretty good money. That should bring some yeah. pretty good money. That's a good one. I think we ended up with 20 or so signatures on that last year. And the great thing about having this during Breeders' Cup is we can get a lot of the jockeys from that are here from Europe that we don't, you know, normally get. So I'm, I'll be working. Uh, I've got a friend of mine working with me to, to collect as many signatures as we possibly can on that on that jockey saddle. Um, but yeah, we've got some some artwork. Um, Robert Clark, who is an equine artist. Um, he'll be doing a live painting there at Bash at the Breeders' Cup. And uh, as soon as he puts the finishing touches on, on the artwork, it'll hit the auction block and go to the highest bidder. So we're looking forward to a fun event. Um, tickets are still available. They are going fast. And uh, tickets are on our website, which is tca.org. All right. So be sure and check the website out, tca.org. And uh, if you're anywhere within a few hundred miles of the Lexington area, it sounds like a great event and for a great, great cause. And uh, if they just would like to donate to TCA, I'm sure that there's a spot on the on the website for them to do that as well. Absolutely, we we love uh, donations. They they make our work possible. So. They're on TCA.org. There is a donate button. They're under the logo on the left side of the page. Uh, we also have a pretty unique fundraiser, an online fundraiser that's going on right now through November 12th uh, with one of our partners here in Lexington, the Haggard uh, Equine Medical Institute, which they're a big, a big vet clinic, not only for thoroughbreds, but obviously for, you know, for all breeds of horses. One of the biggest here, um, probably in the, in the country, they're located here in Lexington. But uh, we're partnering with Haggard this year in the Race to Give. Last year, uh, we were able to raise about 125000 with this effort. So that's going on now. Well, yeah, a lot's happening. A lot of things happening with CCA. And, uh, and so all these horses need to have good homes. Uh, when they come off the racetrack, they need to be able to have a new life and, uh, and, and 
bring a lot of joy to people, and whether it's equine therapy or another discipline. There's plenty of use for a, a great horse get and help by donating to CCA.org, and uh, and they will make sure that that money is going to these organizations that are helping to do that. Aaron, are you ready to get to Colorado and do some trail riding this fall? <laughs> I am. I am. I've got the bug. I want to get horseback in the mountains. That's my happy place. <laughs> all right. All right. Well, we look forward to catching back up with you again. We appreciate very much you taking the time to come join us to talk with us a little bit about what Thoroughbred Charities of America is doing and to talk a little bit about the versatility of the Thoroughbred Racehorse. So we appreciate you being with us. Thank you so much. Thank you for having me. I appreciate it. Well, you're very welcome. Look forward to having you come back and have fun on the trails out in Colorado when you get out there as well thank you all right we are going to be back in just a moment but uh, a good friend of ours mr dot edwards passed away earlier this week this is his signature song we're gonna play that right now and we'll be back in just a moment with more from bobby bell and i'm gary holt on the equestrian legacy radio network Was a cowboy I knew in South Texas His face was burnt deep by the sun Part history, part sage, part Mexican He was there when Pancho Villa was young And he'd tell you a tale of the old days When the country was wild all around Sit out under the stars of the Milky Way And listen while the coyotes howl And they go, whoo-yip, 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 Now the longhorns are gone And the drovers are gone The Comanches are gone And the outlaws are gone Geronimo's gone And Sam Bass is gone And the lion is gone And the red wolf is gone Well he cursed all the roads And the old men And he cursed the automobile said this is no place for an hombre like I am in this new world of asphalt and steel then he'd look off someplace in the distance at something only he could see he'd say all that's left now of the old days Damned old coyotes and me And they go Ooh, 
Don Edwards, his signature song, Coyotes, and of course, Don passed away earlier this week, a balladeer, a troubadour, who I don't think Bobby can be replaced. But I know that uh, Katie Ryan did a documentary on Coyotes and Don Edwards, and you were actually in that documentary. But tell us a little bit about your memories of Don. (laughs) Um. My husband Jim and I have been kind of awash with memories this week. Um, we we play Don Edwards regularly here at home. It, um, he's part of sort of the soundtrack of our lives. Um, and of course, um, when I heard the news, um, it was uh, 48 hours. Uh, well, every hour that we were awake <laughs> um, over the last several days, uh, we've been immersed in in music, and it often will bring back memories. Yes, um, Katie Ryan. And um, her husband, Lee, had attended um, the Santa Clarita Cowboy Festival one year. Don, um, that festival started in 1994, and Don was one of the uh, performers that we were blessed to have at that festival, I think, just about um, every year since it started, along with the Sons of the San Joaquin. And um, one of the things that he was often invited to do at that festival was perform in the living room of the William S. Hart Mansion. And, of course, um, Bill Hart, famous uh, silent movie actor, cowboy actor, and one of Don's um, many sort of historical heroes, um, others being Will James and um, uh, Gene Autry and just a plethora of um, Western people who really brought the West to life. And to perform in that living room is a really special, it's not allowed anymore. It's a really, really special. You're surrounded, the performer is surrounded by um, works of art, 
that Bill Hart owned, Charlie Russell, um, paintings and sculptures, and um, the audience sits uh, kind of outside in, in an area still in the living room, but the performer is behind a little kind of a wooden railing, and the audience sits on the other side of that, and it's a just a really special place to uh, enjoy live music. And Katie and Lee were absolutely floored by Don and his performance in that space and really, as I recall, didn't know a lot about him before that time. And they just decided, we're going to make a documentary. And they knew nothing about making a documentary. They were not filmmakers. They were just a spirit, a passion was born right then and there. And I think Don has had that kind of influence for many of us. Um, Alan Chapman spoke of it last week when we talked with Alan, not knowing that Don was um, not going to be with us many more days. And it's certainly, uh, he certainly impacted my husband and I in the same kind of way going off in a direction that, um, he pointed um, his voice and um, pointed the finger towards. Um, but Katie and, and Lee, they did. They they got permission to, you know, follow Don uh, over, I don't know, Gary, now, a couple of years. They went to every major festival that he appeared in. They interviewed him and a lot of other people. And um, and Katie asked if, you know, if I, if she could interview me on camera, and we did that at a Santa Clarita Cowboy Festival outside the Buckaroo Bookshop that we ran every year. And I was stunned to find that she included me in that, <laughs> in that documentary. Um, Don would always, Don and Kathy would always um, come and find us at the Buckaroo Bookshop because we really weren't able to go and see anything, any performers. We were so busy. So we were always grateful when a performer would kind of come and seek us out. And so many times I'd look up and there would be Don or Don and Kathy and just give us a few moments of their time. It always made us feel so special. And he had that way. Um, even after we met him for the very first time, and I think it was summer of 91, um, at the Achi Museum, and we met, and he remembered me every time he would come to the museum. He would just call me by name. You know, Ranger Doug is like that, too. I think that's an amazing, <laughs> amazing talent. Amazing we meet thing. hundreds of people, yeah. you know, and um, and at the Autry, um, I was on staff there for a number of years, and I remember... So I have so many memories, but one that I'll share is um, when Gene Autry had his 90th birthday, there was a special concert and, and Don yeah. performed and it was yeah. recorded. And I remember that vividly. Um, and then when Gene passed, um, there really wasn't a, a funeral per se, but there was a gathering at the museum. Uh, they put up a tent and um, people were invited and Don was invited to sing. And I remember the two of us standing inside the museum, right outside the George Montgomery Gallery. And right away, he's like, Bobby, I'm so glad to see you. I didn't know if you'd be here today. And we chatted a little bit. We talked about Gene and the influence um, that Gene had on, on him and his love of Western music. And I was able to break away from my work and, and go and um, enjoy and everything you said about him earlier, he was just um, such a 
just a wonderful man. He just gentlemanly and the scholar, you know, the gentleman and the scholar, always a kind word, always a welcoming smile, always a little twinkle in his eye. Um, just, and just so knowledgeable, you know, he'd talk about Will James or he'd talk about, um, J. Frank Doby and he'd talk about Will Rogers. And he, I started reading, like if Don sang about it, I needed to go read about it. (laughs) (laughs) So, well, um, Don had such an influence on so many people and, uh, there are so many songs that are associated with, uh, with Don Edwards. And this is one that I've always associated with, Don. Let's take a listen to that. It's called Man Walks Among Us. We'll be back mm-hmm. in just a moment. Warm are the winds on the desert. A whirlwind is dancing. I stop to survey all the beauty that's here When a shadow moves out across the ground It's an eagle that circles above me And he screams to his friends on the hill Stay close together, move not a feather, man walks among us, be still, be still, man walks among us, be still, everything hides but I see them, I've spotted an old mother quail. I look close and see God looking at me Through the eyes of a young cottontail I see a coyote sneaking As he crawls through the brush on the hill And the eagle screams down Stay close Walks among us, be still, be still. Man walks among us, be still. Twenty feet high in the side of a cactus, I see a hole where the butcher bird stays. If mortals could choose, if heaven should ask us. Here's where I'd want to spend all of my days Soon we'll be gone, all the desert Cities will cover each hill Today will just be a fond memory Man walks among us Man walks among us, be still. 
Don Edwards, Man Walks Among Us. Such an influence on so many people. And uh, I know my wife has told me before that she decided to get involved in Western music because of uh, hearing Don. And uh, we're going to go to another song right now. It's called The Master's Call. This is Don Edwards. Within my teens, but full of challenge and desire I ran away from home and left my mother and my dad It grieved them so to think that their only boy was bad I fell in with an outlaw band, the names were known quite well How many times we'd robbed and plundered, I could never tell This kind of sinful living will lead only to a fall I learned that much and more the night I heard my master call. One night we wrestled cattle, a thousand head or so, and started them out on the trail that leads to Mexico. When a norther started blowing and lightning flashed about, I thought someone was calling me, thought I heard a shout. At that moment lightning struck not twenty yards from me, and left there was a giant cross where once there was a tree This time I knew I heard a voice, a voice so sweet and plain A voice that came from everywhere, a voice that called my name So frightened I was thinking of the sinful deeds I'd done I failed to see the thousand head of cattle start to run The cattle they stampeded and were running all around My pony ran but stumbled and threw me to the ground I felt the end was near That death would be the price When a mighty ball of lightning Showed the face of Jesus Christ Then I cried, oh Lord forgive me Don't let it happen now I want to live for you alone God, these words I vow My wicked life unfolded And I thought of wasted years When another ball of lightning Killed a hundred head of steers and the others rushed on by me, and I was left to live. The master had a reason life was his to take or give. A miracle performed that night, I wasn't meant to die. The dead ones formed a barricade, at least six or seven high. And right behind it there was I, afraid but safe and sound. I cried and begged for mercy, kneeling there upon the ground. A pardon I was granted and my sinful soul set free No more to fear the angry waves upon life's stormy sea Forgiven by the love of God, a love that will remain I gave my life and soul the night the Savior called my name I gave my life and soul the night the Savior called my name
That's the master's call, Don Edwards, and we are not having technical problems. I just kind of get choked up talking about Don Edwards. uh, Bobby, I don't know. I can't remember how many shows Don was on, but he was always such a joy to visit with, and he was such a storyteller. Uh Uh, I can remember him talking about being in New York with Waddy Mitchell and Michael Martin Murphy and performing at some hotel i don't remember what it was yeah the rain i think that was the rainbow room yeah and, and the staff that was there and you know like the second day all the staff came dressed in their cowboy outfits or something yeah so, yeah that was the rainbow room uh, and that's um yeah yeah he you know don also had a wonderful sense of humor <laughs> so he did you know he did, he did. and um uh i think and we'll go back and we'll comes out and, you know <laughs> Yeah, we'll go back, and I think we'll replay in the next few weeks probably one of those shows uh, that we had him on. And, of course, the last time that we had him on, we had Katie Ryan on uh, talking Mm -hmm. about coyotes and had Don on as well. And at that time, he was not doing as well. But, but yeah, I think we'll go back and and replay one of those shows uh, from the past where he was on as well. This this next song that we're going to get to is uh, one called Shenandoah. It was a performance where he and Waddy, uh, do you remember where they were in Texas? They were performing with the symphony. Was that Texas somewhere? Oh, the, the Fort Worth Symphony. I think it's the Fort yeah. Worth Symphony. Yeah. Yeah. And, mm-hmm. and, and this version of Shenandoah that Don did was absolutely beautiful. So we're going to play that for you now. And uh, and then we'll be back in just a moment to talk just a little bit more about Don Edwards and his Missouri, she's a mighty river away. You rolling river, the red man along her border away and bound away across the wide Mosul Oh. 
Shenandoah. I love your daughter. Away, you rolling river. For her. Seven years I've been a
just on his own. So talented and uh, influenced so many different people. Any, anything you'd like to say before we go? Um, I think I would just like to say that um, his music and um, his written words live on and that we thank, we thank him for the gifts that he shared with us. We do indeed, and our prayer and thoughts are with Kathy and all of his family as well as his friends and fans and uh, we're going to close the show today with Don Edwards Oh Lord my God when I in awesome wonder consider all the world thy hands have made I see the stars I hear the rolling thunder thy power throughout the universe displayed then sings my soul
bled and died to take away my sin. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art, how great thou art. Then sings my soul, my Savior God, to thee, how great thou art. How great thou 